Shut up and sit down. Hello strangers and welcome to the latest episode of Strangers in a Cinema. I'm one of the regular co-hosts Paul Anderson here this week with guest host and director of X66 Film Festival, Mark Brennan. Mark, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very hot and sweaty, which is kind of uh, apt because I'm keeping Pete's seat very warm for him until he comes back. Yeah, Pete is off this week because he's not feeling very well, bless him. So best, we wish him the best. Get well soon, Pete, and we hope to welcome him back soon. Mark, it, but it is nice to welcome you back, Mark, because you've been on the show a few times before. Uh, not for a while now, but uh, welcome back. Thank Thank you very much. Yeah, I've usually been here to talk about um, short films and the Exit 6 Film Festival, but it, it will be nice to talk about some other stuff with you this evening. Yes, I promise you that is not on the agenda at all tonight. Um, you can talk about basically whatever you please tonight, Mark. So yeah, no, it's, it's good to have you here. Um, so thanks for coming on. Um, so basically, just to give you a rundown of what we're going to do this week, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, film news. Um, then we're going to do uh, and talk a bit about, yeah, and talk uh, wider, wider issues on on kind of around the Snyder Cut and that kind of thing, which people may have seen have been announced, but we'll get to that shortly. Uh, then we're going to do our popcorn movies section, where myself and Mark will talk about films that we've watched recently from whichever age, whenever we've watched them. Uh, and then we are going to do our... I Well, I did initially on Twitter call this the top five most... revised top five most anticipated for 2020, but I'm going to reshed, I'm going to rename this this segment now and just say... Five reasons to be excited that cinemas will eventually reopen. I think we'll have a bit more positivity to it. Um, because, Mark, I don't know about you, but I'm missing the cinema. I'm missing it a lot. We are l- lucky to live in an age where we can stream God knows how many films and TV shows at, at the touch of a button, but nothing beats being in big dark empty space with a huge screen and a massive sound system and a 27 pound bucket of popcorn <laughs> nothing compares to that nothing compares to it at all no i mean yeah i think yeah we we've we talked before i think there's some certainly some home setups run it close but for me there's still something there's still something about the feel of a cinema that can't be matched at home i don't think and i think it's just the the massive dark room that does the trick to be honest and the fact that yeah i mean you'd have to you'd have to have a for, a small fortune to have a home cinema that rivals the size of a multiplex screen so yeah there is something some yeah certainly i am missing the cinema at the moment without a shadow of a doubt um absolutely i used to really miss my um going to see a film on my own as well and chances are after this um lockdown ends there'll be more chance to have a whole screen to yourself when you want to go watch a film because not everyone's going to be in a rush to go back so that dream might come back too that i'll have a whole screen to myself now and again it's happened to me twice in my entire life it's happened to me twice where i've had a whole screen to myself which is quite pleasant to be honest and even then i behaved myself that's the good stuff i told myself to be quiet at one point (laughs) but anyway uh yeah so we miss cinemas is basically what we're getting at so we're going to give you uh five reasons each to be excited uh, when cinemas reopen and films that we really are anticipating seeing on the big screen uh, but that's later. Um, now we're going to talk about some um, re- film news, recent events in film news. Um, Mark, for me, the big deal this week is the fact that uh, Warner Brothers via HBO Max and Zack Snyder have announced that Justice League will be getting the um, long requested. I feel like there's only about five people ever been shouting very loudly that they want a recut of Justice League. Um, but regardless, the internet campaign released the Snyder Cut has paid off. And next year on HBO Max, I think it's going to be split into five parts, I think is my understanding of it. Um, And yeah, so they will be releasing the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which 
was long rumoured to be completed um, and in existence, but based on this news, Warner Brothers have given him an extra twenty million, I think, for reshoots and finishing off special effects. So, um, this well, this is uh, this is a first, I think, that I can that I can recall. So it's certainly whatever you feel about the original Justice League film, uh, I wasn't a fan. I'll just throw that out there. Um, this is certainly an interesting development in film news. Mark, what what do you think of this? I think it's it's fascinating. Um, the idea that a filmmaker can go back with extra budget to make a huge film like that and, and, and make it in their own way. I know he was very unfortunate circumstances in which he had to leave the film in the first place, but to get the opportunity to come back with the benefit of hindsight, you know, he, he can look at some of the, the reaction that the previous film received, you know, what some of the fans liked and didn't like, and then he can choose to address some of that in this recut with this extra $20 million that he's got, or he, or he can stick to his guns and say, you know, I'm not going to pay any attention to that. I'm going to stick to what I originally wanted it to be. And and then we'll all see what that turns out like. But um, at the end of the day, it's kind of a win-win for, for Warner Brothers and DC, I'd say, because they've already done the hard work of making the bulk of the film. It's going to be a, a, a piece of work that they've spent hundreds of million dollars on that they're going to get to roll out again in just a different guise um get more eyes on it more publicity um so even though the the clamoring wasn't really there overall from from fans um they're going to get their money's worth out of it all over again because i think just out of interest and intrigue when this comes out there'll be a lot of people watching yeah i mean you're you're a filmmaker um what do you think would you said you said it'd be interesting to see which way he goes would you be inclined this is a, a this is a tricky question for you if you take like Justice League wasn't received positively, let's be honest. And just to give a bit of context, so yeah, there was a, a Snyder suffered a terrible family tragedy and Josh Whedon was brought in. The tone a part of the part of the problem with Justice League was the fact that tone was all over the place. You could tell which bits were Snyder, which bits were Whedon. Is just the two sort of diametrically opposed directors. So the film was a mess in tone. It wasn't its only problem for me, but like where how do you feel as a filmmaker? Would you think you would how would you approach this if you were given kind of like a, I guess a second chance at a film really is the best way to describe this? Yeah. I mean, it really depends, I guess, on what's been agreed between Snyder and the studio. Now, have they said to him, okay, go back and, and finish exactly what you started because we know that that will cost $20 million. Or have they said to him, if we were to give you this chance to go and recut it, cause we think we can, do something interesting with it what would you need to make the changes you want to make so i'd, I'd like in terms of budget so i'd like to know what way around that this whole thing has happened you know and, and whether or not he i don't know i haven't seen in the news whether he has said i'm going to cut how i had it i'm going to make a version the way i wanted or i'm going to make a more reactive version having seen some of the critical uh hits that the the, the justice league took um if if I was, I I think any filmmaker, um, well, most filmmakers would obviously want to use that hindsight, you know, and, and how can I make something that people are going to want and people are going to, especially a fan base as rabid as like a comic book fan base, you know, that, that, that are desperate for their idealistic version of what these films should look like, you know, to to have that chance. I mean, how much would you love it if, say, uh, there was a chance to do a bit of a do over on. Uh, a Star Wars film or recut that you know how, how much do you think some film any filmmaker would like to go back and go do you know what these bits I now know in hindsight weren't strong enough and I deserve the pummeling I took in, in the critics it's now good I can go back and change that um, it's just interesting and until I know kind of or until it comes out the angle with which Snyder is coming back at this with um, 
it's hard to say how interesting it might be. I mean, it's going to be interesting regardless, but I would just love to, I would love to know. I'm so, I would love to know the thought process behind it and, and from what angle it's coming from. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, I think it's, it's easy to get excited, um, but then Batman versus Superman was a Snyder cut, so that's that's where that's where I get a little bit concerned on this one. It may not be that much different. I mean, that's um, we've mentioned before. You know, what what director would we like to see get a do over on a film? And it's hard to answer because you kind of think, for the most part, they will have made the film they set out to make without some very famous famous studio meddling. For the large part directors will have made the film they intended to make so even just with a blanket do-over how different would it be um without kind of admitting i got this completely wrong in the first place yeah i'm with you on that one is there any for i mean for me alien 3 jumps out as a film i'd like to have seen without studio meddling if you're going to give if you're going to give anyone a do-over i guess the question is who who would it be i think david fincher on alien 3 i'd be intrigued to see the the his original vision for that film um for sure yeah uh because i mean he he still he still doesn't like his name being on it so i can only either either it is just i don't it's a difficult i don't know i mean I don't think it's that bad a film. I think Alien 3 is quite underrated. I don't think it's as good as the others. Um, I don't know why he hates it quite as much, unless it's just completely unrelated to, to what he wanted it to be. But he's not spoken in a lot of depth, I don't think, about his original plans for Alien 3, in fairness. So mm. um, I may be wrong there. But is there, any, is there any films that jump out to you that would that you'd want the same the same director, not a different director, the same director to have another crack at? Ooh, that's had a lot of studio meddling. I mean, I know... There was meant to be a lot going on with Josh Trank's Fantastic Four film. Uh, mm. A lot went on with that to the point. Didn't he kind of disown it, I think, when it came out saying this isn't the film I want it to be. So I, yeah. I would like to see the, the film that he wanted there. Um, there's obviously very famous examples of a film that has a one cut and then there's a director's cut, you know, Blade Runner with or without a voiceover, like kind of thing. But it, what will be interesting to see, what is interesting to see is when the theatrical cut is very different from the director's cut and i don't just mean longer like uh, mm. quite a long a lot of a lot of times a director's cut is kind of the same film but there's just more scenes in it it doesn't really change yeah. too much one of the i think i've spoken to this about to you before but one of the best examples i've seen of a director's cut being very different from the theatrical cut was um another superhero film was daredevil like i remember the the, the daredevil director's cut is not just longer it's a completely different film like it's entirely restructured it is not like the film that came out in the slightest it is about i think nearly half an hour longer and there's a whole extra um b story in there that involves uh coolio the rapper i think is in there Um, but there's a lot of um firmer footing put in place where it was saggy in the theatrical version it now makes more sense and it's more rounded out and it's more textured in the director's cut and i think films like that where the director's cut is clearly different like it's a different film any mm. film like that, I, I would love to see any director get the chance to, to show it properly. Not just the ones that have a few scenes removed, but the ones that are cut together, structured differently, take scenes take on completely different meanings, characters take on completely different um, personas, and your opinions of them change. You know, those are the films I would like to see directors have a have another yeah. crack. I mean, for me, if the rumors are be, if the rumors are to be believed, I'd like to see an Abrams cut of uh, Rise of Skywalker. That's like because there's there's apparently because there's a rumor in Rise of Skywalker. There's a whole scene that has supposedly supposedly been shot where you've got all the old Jedi come back. They appear as ghosts towards the end um, and kind of support Ray in the end. And it's rumor again. This is all rumors that this scene was actually shot with like Ewan McGregor and all the all the old actors from the, the like the prequel Jedi's Hayden Christensen was in there. Oh wow! Like and, and like. 
from what I've read, and again, you've got you can only take these things with a pinch of salt. Like Abrams had a very very different th- different plans, I think, in mind for well, not I, 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 how different. It was, yeah, you'll never know, I guess, in in these cases. But yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that I think he wanted to put in Rise of Skywalker. There was even a rumor at one point he wanted it to be two films, which makes perfect sense for me when you look at some of the problems with Rise of Skywalker. To be fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, like yeah, even that to be honest, if like, and the, the rumor is that he only saw the final cut of the premiere, um, which again is I, I don't know. I, it's, it's you don't know what to believe with these. An insider pops up and film websites, you know, rightfully so, just publish it. I get it. It's interesting to read, but how much truth goes into these things is another matter. But um, yeah, yeah. What be interesting to see is if we now see a glut of directors, kind of. Well, David Ayer has actually already tweeted uh, a picture of the Joker. And kind of just reference Suicide Squad, so he's, I think he's put like any chance Warner Brothers or words words to that effect. <laughs> so, well, um, you never know. This <laughs> yeah, might set a precedent. Yeah. This might open the floodgates yeah. a little bit now because I, I think there would be intrigue and interest there. And at a time when um, film production has ground to a halt, you know, if there is a way of these studios re-releasing a film, especially if they don't need to reshoot anything, I know you said Snyder's getting twenty million to do other stuff, or even if they can re- redo stuff that's just all visual effects that they don't need to actually get out and film for, um, why wouldn't they do it? You know, at a time to, to keep hold of audiences, to um to bring attention back to the franchises in, in some ways to re-energize some of those franchises so that if the interest then is that they felt they lost with the original release comes back with this re-release that when production starts up again properly you never know some of these franchises all of a sudden will have a new film greenlit because the interest was revived during this period of lockdown yeah no i think it's it's interesting times and regardless you know i say that i'm not that excited for it i'm not because i thought i didn't like justice league and I, i don't think snyder's made great films of late but that being said he's made good films in the past so yeah you know i think even people even people that have got their knives out for it and kind of sort of dismiss the the release that as as I was quite dismissive in the beginning when I said the release of Snyder Cut started with about five people but it probably did it got very vocal there's a lot of people that want to see it and good for them um so yeah I'll be intrigued to watch it just because in in my experience it's the first time it's happened so yeah. um, whether it would be markedly different whether it makes it any good or not is a whole it's almost irrelevant to be honest because people are going to watch it anyway so <laughs> yeah and they'll either say you know what that's exactly what I thought it was going to be or that was a waste of time or you know or they might love it but regardless they will watch it, so um, why yeah. not do it? I mean, I hope for the uh, for the people behind the hashtag that they're not disappointed because I would be very, I would be very hurt. I'd be very I'd be upset for them to be honest if the Snyder cut comes out and they don't like it. But <laughs> fingers crossed that's not the case uh, because I don't think anyone would survive the internet shitstorm that that created. But hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine a lot of other directors are hoping that it goes down well as well. You know, you never know. Maybe some of the studios will wait and see what the response is to this before yeah. following suit. Or maybe they'll try and jump in there first. Either way, it's interesting. It is really interesting, and it's you know, it's been a while since you've had something interesting like this come along, and it probably only has because of what's happened in the world. So it's mm. it's just interesting. There's that word again. It's just interesting. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that that's basically the main film news I wanted to talk about. So um, yeah, that brings us to the end of the news section. We'll be back after this brief break uh, with popcorn movies. So back we are with Popcorn Movies. Uh, This is the regular segment of the show where we talk about films that we've seen recently, uh, no matter what age um, or when we've watched them really at this point. So generally speaking, it's been the last seven days, but Mark has got however long he's since he's been last on the show for. So Mark's got years worth. So um, yeah, Uh, Mark, as you're the guest, um, you can go first. What have you been watching, sir? Uh, Well, the most recent film I've watched was right before 
we started recording this episode and that was a film called Blue Streak on Netflix with Martin Lawrence, which I haven't seen since I was at uni, which is now frightening to realise that film is 21 years old, I think it is now, <laughs> which is which is just scary. And um, I had a, a, a 90 minute or so window to, to, to squeeze a film in before we came on for this episode. And I was looking through Netflix trying to find something that was 90 minutes long. And uh, this was the first film I came across that was around that length. And also, I'd completely forgotten about it. And um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Blue Streak. I remember that, like from... From uni, it's not fine. I'll put that on and see what it's like. And um, yeah, it's 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 funny in places. Uh, it's it's it is still funny in places as much as I remember it to be. But what struck me most about it was um, it's ridiculous. Like I don't know if there was a whole glut of films around the late nineties, early two thousands when Martin Lawrence had a lot of comedies come out, like Black Knight and National Security with Steve Zahn, and then and then this one, Blue Streak, as well. But um, the I don't know how I know they're meant to be funny, but I don't know how anyone can read the scripts and think, yeah, people will buy this. Like this scenario, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this is totally believable. I mean, the setup for is this, this is quite interesting because what it's about is he plays a a, a jewel thief who at, that's the one that's at what the start I was just of thinking, the film, is it the one about a diamond or something? Yeah, he similar. steals a very I think a seventeen million dollar diamond right at the start of the film, and the police show up during the heist and he has to stash it in on a construction site before he gets arrested. And he remembers specifically the vent that he hides this thing in so that he knows whenever he gets out of prison, he can come back and find it. He ends up going to prison for two years. And when he comes out and goes to find the building where he had stashed this diamond, it is now a police station, <laughs> which is actually a pretty good setup for like a, a comedy caper. So he now pretends to be um, uh, a policeman. You know, he gets a whole fake ID put together and goes on, goes into the station, as, as convinces everybody he's a transfer from another station and being a criminal ends up being a pretty good policeman which is funny but when you watch it it's absurd like you watch this film and you, you anybody could be a policeman like it, it's and I, I looked up afterwards to see how much this film cost and it was 65 million dollars um to, to, to make which seems like a ridiculous amount of money for what was a pretty i imagine most of this is post. Is this post Bad Boys, Martin Lawrence? Is he oh yeah, this, this was yeah. nineteen ninety nine. So this is like four years later when when he was at his, his peak and he was very popular and and everyone just wanted to see Martin Lawrence being Martin Lawrence. And I think this was it, it had elements of like Beverly Hills Cop to it, um, where he put on some personas and was pretending a policeman when he wasn't and uh, pretended he was undercover and he had like the the straight laced partner and uh, like Judge Reinhold in Beverly Hills Cop and um uh and taggart john ashton as well like in this case it was william forsyth and luke wilson right so um it harks back to that in, in quite a lot of ways but most of the time it's just martin lawrence being ridiculous on camera while every other character just kind of s stands by and watches him and lets him do it <laughs> and, and you just think like in any in any real world situation if anybody started acting the way he does in this film he would be tranquilized and taken off to whatever sanitarium he needs to be in because he's He's clearly a danger to himself and others. <laughs> like he 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 acts absurd. Like so, it's not in the way that Eddie Murphy does in Beverly Hills Cop when he puts on these characters and does these little skits to get himself in and out of scenarios where you yeah it seems like it's over the top. Of course, it's over the top, but you kind of see why people go with it. Yeah. In this, there's just like a dead in the eyes of everybody around him who just know they're there to be foils for him to be silly. And um, <laughs> a lot of films I think like that would would have got made around that time as well. So I watched that 
come out. Uh, I watched that right before I came to speak with you this evening. I'm not proud of it, but that was the the, the last <laughs> film I watched. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's honesty. I do respect the honesty. Um, the last film I watched uh, was a film I watched last night that I've been meaning to watch. I must have had sitting on my Blu-ray shelf for... Oh, God, I'm, I'm bad at this. I have Blu-ray sitting around for five, six years quite easily um, without them being watched. And, and Mud by Jeff Nichols is one of those films, to be fair. Um, I'm a big fan of Jeff Nichols as director. I'd like, I, I don't think I've seen, I can honestly say I don't think I've seen a bad Jeff Nichols film. So I don't really know why it's taken me so long to get to this one. Uh, this stars uh, Matthew McConaughey, um, Ty Sheridan, and a very young Ty Sheridan. Possibly, this is possibly a debut from Ty Sheridan. I may be mistaken, uh, but I'm sure someone will tell me if I am. Um, and this basically is a, a drama uh, about, according to IMDb, I'll, give, I'll let IMDb do the synopsis for you. Uh, two young boys encounter a fugitive and form a pact to help him evade the vigilantes that are on his trail and to reunite him with his true love. So, yeah, so you've got two two kids living in, I'd say, the, sort of uh, a pretty uh, dilapidated American American town, uh, living life on a river, kind of scraping scraping and earning together from one day to the next. Um, they on on kind of one of their boys' own adventures, I guess. They happen across this island where they're going to visit, and they found they find this boat that they want to claim as their own, um, and kind of turn it into a den, which is all quite cool. I thought it was going kind of Kings of Summer way to start with, um, and then they happen across uh, this character called Mud, played by uh, an, a brilliant Matthew McConaughey, who's kind of he's clearly it's not all is not what he seems but because he's kind of this this lovable rogue character um the boys have built a certain affinity with him um and kind of make him out to be this this kind of hero like the dad they never had or like the older the the cool uncle type that kind of thing um which matthew mcconaughey plays really really well um it was slow to start. It did take me a little while to warm to the characters, and it did. I did think for a while I was just like, okay, this the pacing's a little bit off here. Um, but I'd really, really warmed to it towards the end, and by the end of it, I really, really liked it. I thought Ty Sheridan and um, Matthew McConaughey, especially, were brilliant in this. Um, and it, yeah, it, it it takes it definitely takes its time. It's a very patient film, demands patience out of the viewer for sure. Um, but it it takes the story in interesting directions. It twists and turns in ways I didn't necessarily expect it to go. Um, so for me, it was another winner from Jeff Nichols. Mark, have you seen Mud? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I did see um, okay. a video interview once with Matthew McConaughey where he said that was his favorite film that he has done oh okay well, fair enough it's his personal favorite that one yeah yeah no it's a good it's a good pick to be fair but yeah I, yeah jeff nichols for me again it's a gap a gap in my a gap in my viewing but if you haven't seen it definitely check it out no now you've recommended it and matthew mcconaughey's recommended it so i should i should give it what a go more can you ask for <laughs> he's a little biased but yeah I'll, I'll check it out for sure uh, what's next for you mark you... um yeah i watched a portrait of a lady on fire on on movie a few weeks back um i was sorry i didn't get to see it in in the cinema i watched it after reading a lot of the hype everybody talking about how great it was it seemed to be in my twitter feed every day that it, after it became available on movie that everyone was raving about this film so i thought well i, I have to sit down and watch it and um it is it is a pretty flawless film um it's an interesting thing where you read a film watch a film that you've read has had so much hype behind it because you feel mm. like the moment you start watching it at some point something's gonna some brilliance is gonna hit you in the face and you're gonna and you're just gonna feel a switch and then go wow now i see what everyone's talking about i totally get it um, what struck me about Portrait of a Lady on Fire is that it's it's the same level of great kind of all the way through, 
it mm. never changes gear. Like the stakes never really go up. Not too much happens. It moves along at this very kind of gentle, consistent pace. And I think the only things that the only element to me that really ever made it jar at all were where he saw not trying to be too spoilery, but um there are there are certain um visions that the lead character is seeing that that appear to her at night that are, are somewhat ghostly. Um, yeah. Those are the only moments where I, I, I felt like the film was taking a turn and maybe it was going in a different direction, but then it didn't kind of really, it just stayed in kind of uh, this, this really sounds like I'm giving it a disservice that it stays in like second gear throughout, but it, it's just great all the way through. So by that, I mean, I was watching it and I never got that hit in the face. I never got that. Oh, now I see what everyone's talking about because that just happened. Like it, it's just solid all the way through, but it has got one of the, the the best endings to a film I've seen in in such a long time, so powerful. Like, and it's not obvious at first, and then as soon as you realise what's happening, um, then yeah, it it does hit. But that's literally in in the last minutes, <laughs> last minutes of of the film. Up to that point, it's just been a joy to watch these characters and this slow love story kind of play out, and um, you're just there and with it and and understand it and and are rooting for it, and then um. This this wonderful, shocking, sad, brilliant ending happens, and uh, and then you you come away thinking, "Yep, I see what all the hype was about." Now that that is very good. So that was that was good and a lot better than Blue yeah, Streak. Absolutely, I would I would agree with that. And then, I have seen Blue Streak, but not for a while. I have also seen Portrait of a Lady, of a lady on Fire, and I agree with you. It's brilliant. Um, it's incredibly well shot as well. Some of the some just everything about it just clicks. The performances are great. The film's beautiful. The script's fantastic. Yeah, it's um. It would be. I. It, I'd be very surprised if it's not high up on a list of uh, best films of 2020 for sure. Come come the end of the year. No, ab- absolutely superb piece of work. It was brilliant. Um, I'll tell you what isn't a superb piece of work and what isn't brilliant in any way um, is Resident Evil from 2002, directed by my least favourite of my namesakes, uh, Paul W S Anderson. Um, yeah, I keep. I hear people all the time. I hear people go, and I'm like, yeah, the Resident Evil series is one of the shittest series of films. Full stop. Like. And people go, but the first one's all right. But the first one's all right. But the first one's all right. It's not, people. It's not. It's not very good. It's 90 minutes or however long it is. Let's have a look how long it is. One hour 40, in fact. It doesn't even have the common decency to be 90 minutes. It's one hour 40 minutes of irritating audio-visual noise that is badly edited. It does very little. The performances are terrible. It does very little justice to the video games on which it's based. And... I just it just gave me a headache. Like it gave me a headache probably in the similar way to the way the Transformers give Transformers movies give me a headache. Like just just got guys I get it when it came out it's kind of a zeitgeist even the people talk about the scene with the lasers uh, on the way into the in the, on the way into the the mainframe room is a cool scene. It's not doesn't really hold up. The, the performances are terrible. Nothing's explained. The CGI is woefully poor. Um, it's just a very, very badly made film. So, guys, next time you watch the first Resident Evil, actually watch it and then tell me it's good. Don't tell me it's good from memory. No, no, I, I think I watched it one time back when it originally came out and was thoroughly um, uh, underwhelmed. You know, I, I hadn't, I wasn't a player of the of the game, but I do remember. I think I must have had at least one go on it because I remember thinking, "This is nothing like the game." Like this is totally different. Why didn't they just make the game? Because the game's way yeah. better than this. And I remember being yeah. confused <laughs> by that. Um, and yeah, it, it, it. I don't think it probably had the resources it needed to be any better than it 
could and should have been. Yeah, uh, I think it was pretty high concept stuff without the biggest budget in the world and without also some of the cast to maybe pull it off. Um, but I think their biggest problem was just deviating so far from from the game material because, um, like I said, if they'd have made that, I'd have been happy. And I think a lot of people were probably expecting to see something like that and were like, "What's this? We've been dished up instead. Like, this isn't this isn't at all what yeah, we thought we were going to do." Like, oh, this is a this like this bit's a bit like the game. You recognise this creature from the game, but this bit isn't anything like the game. Oh, who's this character? Alice is in it. She's not in the games. She's got at one point she's got a wedding ring, and then inside the wedding ring is like she doesn't remember anything. Inside the wedding ring, it's like property of um, umbrella ink. And like, why would they do that if this is supposed to be a secret? Why would they? It's just the the film just completely defies any. There's no logic applied to this film whatsoever. And sometimes that's fine in a film. I don't mind that. But this film feels incredibly po-faced. I think that's the other problem. This film, to me, felt like it was taking itself far too seriously, for the most part. I think it, I I don't know what it thought it was. No, <laughs> and it's so seems detached so far detached from the source material that if you take out any reference to the the name Umbrella Corporation in that film and change its title. You could have called it anything else, and no one would have guessed. Could have even guessed it was a Resident Evil film, or meant to have been no. based on that. Computer. You could have called it anything. You know, no, it, it smacks of one of those films where the the studio have heard this game's popular, have have greened it, it give us some money, and haven't even bothered to look if what they're making is in any way, shape, or form what the game is. Um, but you know, uh, it did a lot of good for for. Mr. Paul Anderson, um, who's continued chugging away since, so uh, fair play to him. And the and the franchise <laughs> itself has you know carried on. But I mean, how many are there? Five of them now, or something like that. These six, are, I think. Six Plus of them, six. yeah. So, Plus, um, yeah, yeah. And all with with Mila Jovovich too. So she's made it last, and um, yeah. people are still eating them up. I hear some of the latter ones are better than that first one, but I haven't watched them all. No, I've seen all, but I've seen all but the final uh, entry. Um, yeah, they don't get much better than the first one, if I'm honest. <laughs> no, that, that's one franchise I think could do with a reboot. And I yeah, would be yeah. interested to see it made with someone that's being a little more faithful to the to the game material. Yeah, I mean, the game, don't get me wrong, the game material is cheesy and clunky. It's in your own right. It's, not, it's certainly not a masterpiece of writing by a long stretch, but there's something about it. There's something about its sort of campiness and the, there's an atmosphere to it, which is, yeah, painfully lacking in these films. But hey-ho, we've talked too much about Resident Evil already. Uh, Mark, anything else you wanted to talk about? <laughs> Uh, one more I will add was a, a film I revisited recently, which I haven't watched in a very long time. It's called I Love You to Death. Um, it was made in 1990, and it's a black comedy with uh, Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein? Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. <laughs> doing, uh, playing a Italian pizzeria owner in, uh, I believe it's New York, who um, is a serial kind of philanderer. He's forever cheating on his poor wife, Tracy Ullman, and um, he gets caught one evening um getting himself up to no good and tracy decides with her mother who kevin both he lives with them both uh, decide they're going to kill him but they don't quite know how to go about it and this is all supposedly based on a very true story where this mother and her her um angry daughter hire these two hapless um junkies from a local club to come and murder kevin klein basically and the junkies are played by william her and keanu reeves and um, one thing I do want to say about this film is that Keanu Reeves isn't in it for long, but when he is, he's really funny. Like I've never seen him do comedy and actually be funny and, and not, you know, intentionally be really funny. And in this, he right, really okay. is. And and him and William Hurt together playing these kind of stoned out um, biker druggy losers, they work brilliantly together. They're just this strange magnetic pair. Um, what's also really um, great and interesting about it is that it's 
has River Phoenix in it, who, you know, obviously sadly was lost to us far too soon. And it's it's nice seeing him play a role that, again, is very different to anything else that he's re really remembered for. I mean, I Love You to Death isn't, I don't think, a film that many people have seen or probably even remember. Um, but it has a cracking cast in it. I mean, Kevin Klein, uh, Joan Plowright, Miriam Margulis shows up, Tracy Ullman, William Hurt, River Phoenix, Keanu Reeves, um, Phoebe Cates shows up in there at some point, and even a very young Heather Graham as well. So it's like a really great cast. It plays out like a play, like a piece of theatre, like a dark comedic play. And it's not perfect. It kind of loses steam a little bit as it's going. But if you ever want to see Kevin Klein doing his best Super Mario impression, then um, this is one you've got to see. Nice. I'll check it out. I've never even heard of it, to be honest. So uh, I'm intrigued. Colour me intrigued, Mark Brennan. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, the last film I wanted to talk about uh, this week that I've watched recently was um, I rewatched Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, from 2019 which some people and more power to them have gone absolutely mad for and there's there is a lot of love out there for us um and that's not us the strangers in the cinema that is us the film by jordan peele um yeah i, I still I, I kind of thought it was one of those films that when i came out of it i thought i like that i did but for me there was something that didn't quite click and i was having rewatched. Uh, there's been a few films on rewatch that I've I've had a newfound appreciation for recently. Ad Astra I enjoyed a lot more second time round, um, a lot more. Uh, Last Jedi controversially Mark, which I talked a bit about on last week's show, I've had a re I've kind of reassessed that and enjoyed it quite a bit more. And it's not to say that I didn't like us at the time. I did. I think it's a good film. I just didn't. There was for me it fell a little bit short of greatness. And I thought maybe on rewatch something will click this time round, and oh this will be the moment, and I'll suddenly go right now I get it. I get what I've missed. I still don't. I still there's still something about this that that stops it from not from from quite being great. I don't know. I don't know whether for me the first half it's kind of the first the opening's very cool. Like there's some great visual there's some great visuals in this. The soundtrack's brilliant. Like um, the Peter Youngo's performance and Winston Duke they're they're both brilliant here. There's there's so much to like about how it's shot how it's put together I think the premise is good it's just for me it kind of falls away a little bit in the middle section and I I kind of not disengage I just don't think there's there's certain scenes which I think should have been incredibly tense like the scene um where the Elizabeth Moss character her house gets attacked by their by their kind of respective others that kind of feels underplayed and there's not really enough tension to it and then it kind of I don't know whether I entirely buy into the fact that you can have these people living underground for so long and no one would have known they were there um, I don't know. There's just something doesn't quite click, and I still can't quite put my finger on what it is. Um, don't get me wrong; I like it. It's it's a good film. There's a the finale, especially, is is fantastic. But I don't know. I was yeah, I was expecting something to click into place this time around for me to go. Yes, this is incredible. It didn't quite happen for me. Mark, have you seen I us? Have, yeah, and um, I, I I have to agree with you. I remember when I first watched it, I really liked it. I liked how it was. I liked it was shot. I liked how it different it was you know it didn't follow certain conventions especially from like a structure and writing point of view and and tonally it would change things up you know sometimes it would be kind of pretty ghastly and gothic one minute and then strangely comedic the next you know it, it did different things all the way through but like you were saying watching it second time round, you hoped something would click and you'd finally understand what you liked about it I, I think that sums up kind of what i felt about it the first time i watched it i was watching it the whole time waiting to go Oh, now I get it. Now I get what's going on. And I didn't. And even at the end, you know, when it was all explained, I kind of came up thinking, oh, OK. I mean, I enjoyed everything I just watched, but I'm not sure I got it. 
or yeah um, yeah i'm kind of with you and i was expecting something to or what i was but... meant to take from it like it was effective and it was different and it was it was cool and it was gory and it had it had so much going on i think that was maybe one of the things as well like it was packed with different kind of conventions and tones and um you never quite knew i never quite knew um where it was going or where it wanted me to go with it um, but that's not to say I was meant to. Um, but that's kind of where I was similarly to you at the end. I kind of left going, oh, I, I don't get it, but yeah, yeah. liked it. Fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, but don't get me wrong, as I said, I, th- I think it's a good film. I just think it feels a little bit short of, of greatness, which is, well, yeah. it's always a shame, I guess, but not everything can be great. But that being said, like, it's certainly Jordan, when Jordan Peele makes a film, I, he's already within two films, he's established himself as a director that if Jordan Peele's directing it, I will watch it. And to establish yeah. that level of intrigue after two films, like there's there's enough good going on in us to make you go, okay, this guy's a talent. Like without a shadow of a doubt, it's only his second film. Like, you know, it, he's an incredible filmmaker. There's there's no doubt in my mind. And yeah, there's, the concept is in whether it works for me or not is kind of, you know, it's a moot point regardless, I guess. But um, yeah, he's certainly a director that's interesting enough for me to go, I will watch a Jordan Peele film. Like there's yeah. some, I'm, I'm doubt. It struck me as a film where an awful lot of scenes on their own were incredibly effective and you would have enjoyed every single individual one of those scenes, but you couldn't quite connect them all as a whole at the end, which I think was maybe where which is why we like it, but we don't get it. It's because we liked yeah. so much of what we saw in standalone scenes, but we just couldn't marry them all up together at the end to take a, a, a message or a meaning Maybe from we it. need to start a campaign to get a new cut done. Um, hashtag release the peel cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, right, well, that brings us to the end of Popcorn Movies. We'll be back after this brief break with our uh, top five reasons to be excited to go back to the cinema. Right, so back we are with our top five reasons to be excited to go to the cinema uh, in 2020. That is, assuming cinemas reopen, I really, really want them to. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, I'm missing the cinema terribly. I want to go back. I want to go back there and I want to see these films that we're going to talk about. Among many other films, I'll be honest, at this point, point, if you put Resident Evil on at the cinema and it was anything on, I'd probably go and see it. Um, So that's, that's how excited I am to go back to the cinema. But hopefully they won't put Resident Evil on and they will put uh these five films each that we're going to talk about so um we're going to count on our five things we're excited about when the cinemas do reopen um that are st- that are currently due out this year i put that disclaimer up there that are currently due out this year so please don't come to back please don't come back to us if they get moved uh we're hoping that these films will be in the cinema near the near you this year and we're very much hoping that this year we will be able to go to the cinema again because that would be great um mark um as you're the guest uh, i'll let you start with your number five <laughs> number five i'm gonna go with um no time to die new games bond film which um i know has been pushed back i think was meant to originally come out in april which has got pushed back i, th- I think to much later in the year um i am forever hoping that a, a daniel craig film will come out that matches casino royale for, for me none of them have since um Quantum of Solace doesn't even bear speaking about, <laughs> but um, Skyfall and and Spectre are they're beautiful looking films. Obviously, they really are, but so far nothing has captured like that the the menace and the tension and the action that Casino Royale had. And I I don't know if if that all came about because it was the first time we were seeing Daniel Craig be James Bond and no one knew what to expect from it. Um, 
but for me no film has quite lived up to that one and considering how much effort it seems to have taken to get daniel craig to sign on to do this this additional film you'd like to think he would only do so if something pretty special was going to be on the cards i know they had some uh changes at the helmo danny boyle was involved at, at one point and and now no longer is we've got carrie carrie fukunaga on board now who is a brilliant a superb director to be fair he's behind the the first series of uh true detective um and made beasts of no nation which is one of the one of the certainly one of the upper echelons of films on netflix um sin Brer, i think he made among other things and uh originally moved to do it but walked on creative differences but yeah he's a very talented director so that excites me mark if i'm honest exactly yeah so i'm just very curious to see what what, what this I, I believe is meant to be the final installment for daniel craig it has in store for us um i'm hoping for something with like a big finish i'm hoping for a big finish you know if they if they know that they're not going to get any more out of this particular chapter in the james bond franchise you'd think they can just put it all on the table and go big and, and raise the stakes and make it the kind of film you come out feeling exhausted by which i kind of did after casino royale but mm. the the best thing about casino royale is that it had incredible action uh the stunts were one amazing absolutely amazing but what it had that the other films haven't had since i don't think is any it had real kind of emotional heft, you know, the, the the way he falls so head over heels for Eva Green's character in Casino Royale, you know, the, the, there was more there than just stunts. And I think it, it had substance and it had style. And I think the films subsequently have been more style. Um, so I'm hoping that this last one will go out with a bang, but um, have some heart to it too. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. It's not doesn't made my top five. I'll be honest. I'm going a little bit. For me, I'm just. I don't know. Bond leaves me a little bit cold. But this one, uh, yeah, I think because mainly because of the choice of director, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how this turns out. I think it's an interesting choice. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, my number five um, is uh, what I hope to be a return to form for Pixar after the very disappointing onwards. Uh, this is Soul, directed by Pete Docter, who, um, in my mind, has made one of the greatest Pixar films, full stop, with, with Inside Out, um, which I thought was ab- absolutely brilliant. And I, it, I'm, I'm welling up just thinking about moments of Inside Out now, and it made me cry like a baby at the time when I watched it. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved Inside Out. Um, this is a, an animation, CGI animation from Pixar, um, based around a musician who has lost his passion for music, is transported out of his body, and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. So this is, I mean, this is, this is rocket, this is Pixar rocket fuel. You've got learning about humanity coming to terms with emotions. Um, you've got uh, Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey um, starring on voice duties here. Um, yeah, it's a Pete Doctor Pixar film. Uh, for me, it, all I need to know is that, uh, to be honest, I'm very excited about it. I just think Onwards just disappointed me on many many levels and just felt like it could have been from any other animation studio certainly didn't feel like a pixar film so i think it's yeah they kind of for me they need a pixar need a strong film every year for me they don't have to have one ultimately you know with what they've made in the grand scheme of things they've done well enough but um i think soul could be a return to form mark any any thoughts on on soul or indeed onwards briefly i only know about it what you've just told me um i have right okay onwards though and um i yeah I, i get that didn't quite land the way a lot of pixar stuff does i think there's always um a very difficult balance to strike when you have like a magical fairy world mixed in with what we know to our kind of world you know like elves that go to high school you know things like that when you try and mix those things up it can get very um it doesn't always land and i think maybe with onward it didn't quite 
land uh, it sounds like a wonderfully like magical idea on paper but seeing it executed even with the brilliant you know tom holland and, and chris pratt involved it still wasn't quite what we're used to and i think maybe it was asking a little too much of the audience to buy the world before they could even buy into the the message that the film was trying to put across yeah i think that's fair but yeah so definitely excited uh pete doctor certainly i said inside out just absolutely one of my favorite anima animations of all time to be fair so uh, yeah very excited about soul um mark what have you got at number four on your list uh next up for me i'm very excited to see uh bill and ted face the music um call me a sucker uh, i love the first two i love this i feel naively probably that there's something different about this belated sequel coming back you know we've been Bit so many times by um, <laughs> sequels coming back from films we've loved from the 80s and our, and Probably our childhood. Probably one of the most frequent conversations that we have about films. How many times has something <laughs> but you've been excited for it, they cash in on your childhood nostalgia and then you watch it and you and you just feel you've been mugged. <laughs> you, 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 feel you, you feel you've been mugged. You come out emotionally beat and, and financially a bit about £15 worth off. But there's something different about this one and i can't even put my finger on what it is i think maybe it's because it's not bill and ted was never as big as ghostbusters it was never as big as indiana jones it was never as big as some of these films that we've we've had come back um they were they were not flawless films to begin with <laughs> they were they were kind of bizarre kooky um retro time travel nutty stories that never even attempted to be you know great pieces of cinema or great pieces of action they were just kind of wacky um Keanu Reeves is having an incredible kind of surge in his career of late so you'd like to think that if they were going to do this he wouldn't be on board unless it was something truly worth doing and same with Alex Winter, you know, he's a very successful filmmaker in his own right. So it's not like he needs to do this. You know, it, it, I don't think that's the case at all. And for that alone, I think there's something different about this. It's not trying to so much cash in on something. It's because the the people involved, the creative players, especially Keanu Reeves and, and Alex Winter, um, along with the, the writers and director, they've come up with something that they want to do and they want to tell. And um, especially with Alex Winter being a filmmaker in his own right, you know, you'd like to think he would know whether this is something people would want to see or not. And yeah, there's just childhood nostalgic intrigue. I just want to see these guys again. I want to see what older Bill and Ted looked like. Are they going to save the world like we were promised with their Wild Stallions music? You know, we could use some of that right now if that's, if that's going to be the case. So I want to know, I mean, wouldn't it be kind of weirdly ironic that if this film comes out, there's some incredible music created for the film made by them that somehow calms everybody the hell down with what's going on, you know, and then somehow at a time when the world is kind of on its knees with everything, we all come together and love this film and Wild Stallions do save the world i mean that would be pretty incredible so i guess yeah that the, the ever the optimist in me is hoping something like that might happen because it would just be beautiful if something like that happened it really would so yeah that i'm looking forward no, it's to. a good shout it is a good shout to be fair i'm looking forward looking forward to seeing it um even if uh keanu reeves in one of the i think the first publicity still they released i looked at it and i was just like 
Is Alan Rickman still with us? There's what there's one publicity shot where Keanu Reeves <laughs> yeah, looks the spit of Alan Rickman. There's a bit of Severus um, Snape may, in there may, somewhere. May, may he rest well. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited about Bill and Ted as well because yeah, there's there's a kooky charm to them. They don't take they don't take themselves too seriously. And yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something. Maybe it is that these guys just want to make more Bill and Ted, and it isn't the cash grab. Um, the jury's out, but I'm quietly I'm with you. But for me, I'd say I'm more quietly confident. But we'll see. We shall see. Um, the next one for me that I'm excited about is a spiritual sequel, which is always... The, I, I did Bunny Ears. Everyone loves it when I do Bunny Ears on a podcast. Um, a spiritual sequel to uh, Candyman, um, or arguably a remake, depending on how you look at it, but it does certainly look like it's going to... It looks like it cares about the original, um, for sure. This is directed by Nia DaCosta, but written by um, Jordan Peele, who we discussed earlier, and Wynne Rosenfeld. Um, so... Yeah, I'm quite excited about this to be honest. The trailer looks, I think, looks really, really good. Um, Candyman is one is I think is a massively, massively underappreciated horror film, um, and I am a huge fan of it. So it's one is certainly probably make my top ten horror films. I think if if we ever do that count, maybe there's a, there's next week's show just written for us. Um, yeah, I, I just I think Candyman's a, a really, really interesting piece of work, and I think it's a, think it's very, very underrated. Um, the sequels, as you might imagine, kind of go downhill a little bit. But this, for me, I'm just yeah, I'm enjoy. I look forward to seeing Jordan Peele's take on the story. Um, I think if there's a filmmaker to write this, I think Jordan Peele's the the right call to do it. The trailer looks very very cool. Um, he's done yet another creepy remix of a pop record. This time, um, say my name by Destiny's Child. So as soon as I heard the five on it remix in the in the US trailer, I was just like, yeah, do this again. Just keep doing this. For me, I'm not bored of this yet. So the creepy version of Say My Name uh, from the Candyman trailer, I'm sure, is on Spotify somewhere. But regardless, like the trailer to me, it looks really good. It just looks like they've, it looks like one of these films, one of the few kind of horror remakes or spiritual sequels or however you want to describe it, where it look even from the trailer. I think for me, and I know we've talked about this mark before, when they do reboot these horror films or, or remake them, um, it's just they only ever seem to work if they if the, it seems like the filmmakers give a shit about the original property. Um, you've got a director here called Nia DaCosta, whose work I'm not familiar with. She's directed. Um, a film called Little Woods I think with um, Tessa Thompson in previously in 2018 which I've not seen um, so it could be a good opportunity for a young director to come through which is always nice um, but yeah I'm, I'm quietly confident on this one because Jordan Peele's talked very fondly about Candyman um, and I think that's when they work if you look at the, the sort of remakes or reboots that have worked um, Hills of Eyes, um, Alexandra Aya, I thought was a really, really good because it seemed to give a shit about the original. Evil Dead, I think, worked for me because it gave a shit about the original. Mark, are you excited about Candyman in the slightest? Or um, I'm definitely intrigued. Um, I haven't seen Tony Todd's Candyman for like a very long time. But um, like you said, with Jordan Peele's involvement in this one and, and somebody else at, at the helm that um, he believes in too, um, which is, I think, important as well to to, to note. Um, yeah, I am certainly intrigued to see that, especially as I haven't, haven't, I'm not, I don't remember Candyman very well. So I, right. what I, I don't think I will watch it before I see the new one. Um, I think I'll just see what the new one does and then maybe revisit the other one. You mm. know, otherwise, but um, but I agree with you. Some some horror films when they've been rebooted and remade, the directors do a great job because they keep in mind what was loved about the original without just copying the original and without straying too far from it, trying to put their own take on it. So there are ones out there, like you mentioned Evil Dead, which were a surprisingly... Um, uh, loyal's the wrong word. <laughs> surprisingly um, 
they surprisingly honour, I guess, the the, the original yeah. without without straying too far yeah, from it. Yeah, I com- completely agree with that. So yeah, I'm very intrigued by Candyman, which again was due for release in March, but has been pushed back till I think minimum August. Whether or not this is one that drops to streaming or not, we'll, we shall see. Um, but yeah, still hopeful for a 2020 release on that one for sure. Uh, Mark, what have you got up next? Uh, New Mutants, I'm curious to see. Um, Curious is the word. I'm not really so much excited as curious. There have been so many stories about the problems this film has had and how long ago it was shot um, to the point where the, the, the real-life actors could now play older versions of themselves in this film because it's been so long since they filmed it, now it's coming out. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm intrigued to see what a, a horror spin on a, on a comic book. This was, this was an X-Men. This is an X-Men spinoff, isn't it? Well, originally intended to be an X-Men spinoff. Yeah, and I think it's it's meant to be the, the first sort of superhero horror film. You know, it's meant to be more of a horror than it is uh, an action family cartoon type film. Um it's so for that reason yeah it's it's a different kind of genre we haven't seen yet it'd be interesting to see if it's going to be possible in future to have superhero type films in different genres uh like this so that will be really interesting to see what could be done with stuff like that um it's got a good cast a really good cast like i said some uh, have filmed this a long time ago now so it'd be interesting to see some have become more famous since this film was shot some yeah, have fallen away joy um uh what i've completely forgotten her name from game of thrones now at this point um aria whoever plays aria from game of thrones um yeah 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 i've completely forgotten her name but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that different especially because everything else on my list seems to be a sequel <laughs> so or or, okay. or or a reboot of something i've seen before whereas this i have no familiarity with whatsoever i don't know the comics i don't know the characters i just know it's going to be hopefully something different that we haven't seen with mutants and characters with, with powers before if it's in any way like the TV show Legion, which I loved, absolutely adored. It was when that when I was watching Legion, I thought this is the best series on TV right now. It's the best thing I've seen in ages because it subverted the the superhero universe so much. I'm hoping that there will be elements of that yeah, in this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see it finally. To be honest, um, it would be ni- nice to see it come out regardless. I did, whether or not with all the reshoots, it's supposed to have had a lot of reshoots um, and a lot of things have been changed on it, whether or not that will survive, whether or not that means the film will survive in any kind of watchable form, I don't know. I thought the trailer looked good, even when it originally came out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, to be honest. I'm very intrigued to see to see what happens with this one. And I hope it finally comes out. <laughs> yeah, and there'll be a Snyder Cut later. Like next yeah, there'll year, be a Snyder yeah. Cut later on, yeah. Oh, basically, I can see what's happening now. Is basically, it won't be released to Snyder Cut of Justice League. There'll be a campaign from Snyder's fans for him to recut every film ever made. So it'll be like, Apocalypse Now, hashtag reach this, re- release the Snyder Cut. I can see it happening now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, next up for me, um, and look, I know people don't like Godzilla King of Monsters, and I know in my heart of hearts it wasn't a very good film at all. But my God, twelve-year-old Paul loves that film, um, and I am. I, I just. I know. I know it's not very good, but I really like it. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there, um, and that brings me to the next film I'm very excited about, which is Godzilla versus Kong. So I've always loved the the kaiju films. I've always had a soft spot for the Godzilla films. I've always had a soft spot for the Kong films. Um, so you put Godzilla versus Kong together on the scale of which you've seen in King of Monsters. That gets me very excited because it's giant monster films, and I love those films anyway. What also gets me excited, though, Mark Brennan, is the presence of a director known as Adam Wingard. Well, not known as Adam Wingard. He is Adam Wingard. Um, He directed 
I thought a really, really, really strong um, Blair Witch sequel stroke reboot, I guess. Um, he also directed The Guest, which I thought was great. Oh, um, The Guest is good. Your Next. Uh, yeah, he directed The Guest. He directed Your Next, which I thought was great. Some some of the best segments of the VHS films. Um, Horrible Way to Die. Again, a quality little film. Um, yeah, just one of my one of my favourite up-and-coming directors, I think, Adam Wingard. So, um he also did uh, the Netflix version of Death Note, but you're already you're you're allowed one, Dud. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what Adam Wingard does with this. I'm very excited to see uh, Godzilla and Kong have a fight. Um, I've cheapened, uh, basically that's what the film is: Godzilla and King Kong have a fight. We'll see what they hang around it. And hopefully, they learn from some of the mistakes of Godzilla, King of Monsters. Um, but we shall see. Do you already know who's meant to be who you're meant to want to win out of? Kong versus Godzilla. It's a tricky one because they've kind of alluded to this because the the so the 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 um the recent fairly recent Kong Skull Island film, which I wasn't a massive fan of, if I remember rightly, um in at all, um is part of the same universe as the Godzilla films. Yeah. So this is their expanded monsterverse. So, um he has said because in the original Godzilla versus Kong there wasn't a clear winner. Adam Wingard has said he went he went into the film and want with their wanting to be a clear winner as to who's going to win. Um. I can only assume Kong's going to get irradiated at some point and comes close to the size of Godzilla because I think currently, if you look at the size of the two monsters, it's not it's not going to be a fair fight. So I imagine this some silliness is going to happen. I mean um, that as well. Not not wanting to turn this in, into to too um, geeky a, a pre match preview between Kong and Godzilla, but in not just in terms of size, I'm pretty sure Godzilla can like breathe fire and has. Yeah, breathes breathe radioactive fire. So. Tail that he can like slash it in with, kind of thing. Like, I mean, Kong is just like it's a big gorilla. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how much of a contest that's going to be. So, for that, well, like, I agree with you. I'm curious to see what he's going to do with it. I did read something, I did read something the other day about five concepts. It was possibly Cinema Blend, possibly Screen Rant. Uh, so, I've credited you both just in case it was one or the other. Um, where there were they were talking about the concept, there was. They teased, I think, at the end of King of Monsters or Skull Island, I forget which one it was, they teased that um, Monarch were building up forces, potentially building up mechanised forces around um, Skull Island. Now that to me, that to me, and to obviously to the guys that wrote this article that I'm referencing, possibly teased the, the, an appearance of Mechagodzilla, which if I get to see Mechagodzilla on screen again, I will be overjoyed. Because when, when Mechagodzilla yeah. appears in Ready Player, that was the one bit in the Ready Player One film that I thought they'll never get that in the book. They'll never get that in the film. And then when Mechagodzilla turned up in Ready Player One, I was like, oh my God, Mechagodzilla's on screen. <laughs> oh my God, Mechagodzilla. Again, 12-year-old Paul. I, I can't under it. Sometimes I can't. Uh, Mark, you know me very well. Sometimes 12-year-old Paul, most of the time 12-year-old Paul wins the decision-making process. Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, as you can tell, I'm very excited for Godzilla versus Kong. And whatever happens, I'll probably probably come on this show and gush about how incredible it was, even if it was bad. So, um, yeah, that's a surefire winner in my book. And in fact, no, it's num- it's not number one. It's not number one, but it could it could it could well have been. Uh, right. Stop me before I embarrass myself, Mark. What have you got next? Another sequel, Top Gun 2. Um, Maverick. I'm not going to lie. The the trailer when it came out, and that music started playing. That um, uh, that score. Goosebumps. I got goosebumps. I didn't think I would. I went into it like super cynical about it because uh, there is something about this. I'm not overly enamoured with some of the previous credits of the director of this. Um, but I can. As soon as I saw that trailer, I totally forgot. You know, when you see the aircraft carrier and the the jets. Joseph Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and. 
I know he, I think, did Tron Legacy and Oblivion. Um, yeah. I, I, I both films looked amazing. They looked great. Yeah, both films look incredible. Um, but, but both, I, I felt, were kind of didn't quite hit the mark in other ways. Um, I don't know if that will happen with Top Gun 2. It's a completely different type of material. It's not some outlandish sci-fi like both Tron Legacy and Oblivion are. Um but yeah, as soon as I saw that trailer, oh god! Just like I was talking about Bill and Ted, could they save the world when this film actually comes out? As soon as I saw Pete Mitchell again, Maverick, I was kind of there. Right, we need you, Pete. The world's screwed. Like you need to come back and help us and like blow something up. So um, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, especially seeing some of the new additions to the cast. I know they have um. Oh, completely forgotten his name. Guy from Miles Teller. Miles Teller from Miles from Teller, yeah. from Whiplash. I think playing. The, the the son of, of Anthony Edwards' character Goose. Um, it doesn't look like the apple's fallen too far from the tree there in terms of the characters. So uh, yeah, that. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to that. And if anyone tells me that they're not, I don't believe them. Okay, <laughs> it's not made my list. I don't know. I blow so hot and cold with the original Top Gun, where sometimes I watch it, I'm like, oh, I love that. And then other times I watch it, I'm like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> oh, never love it. We'll always love it. It's brilliant. The soundtrack, everything, like it, it, it's great. So yeah, this one, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'll end up seeing it and come out going, ugh, it wasn't quite what I was hoping. My concern is it is going to looking at the trailer. My biggest concern on this one is it's going to toe clue too close to remake territory and not do enough new to warrant its existence, but. That's my one concern based on, based on the trailer alone. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd like to think just because of the technology in the world, I think they're going to get into drone pilots and things like that, that things will be different. We're not in the height of the Cold War, you know, like we were with the last film that came out. So it, it should reflect what's going in the world, hopefully a little more, um, to be different enough, but still keep what what makes everybody love about that first one. And you have to think by the trailer, the trailer is totally cut to people for nostalgia like that trailer is not look how we're going to be different but i don't think that means it won't be different but um because it's been in the it's been in in the uh it's been in the making for for so long it's taken them so long to get this together and they weren't going to do it till they had a story they thought was decent so hopefully tom cruise is going to come through for us as as pete mitchell and, and maverick and um we're going to have Kenny Loggins and all sorts playing all summer as soon as that film comes out again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know you well, and he's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one for me, um, and yeah, this yeah, in any other year, this may have been closer to the, close, at the top of the list, to be fair. But this is um, the new film from Christopher Nolan, which is still currently down for a release on July seventeenth. We shall see. Uh, I still think that's optimistic, but we'll, we'll see what happens on this one. Uh, this is Tenet, uh, starring Robert Pattinson, um, Robert Pattinson, uh, John David Washington, um, son of Denzel, um, Elizabeth Debicki, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson's in this. But yeah, uh, the trailer looks just looks incredible. Nolan is one of those directors for me who, not that can't put a foot wrong, I'd say that's that's putting anyone up on too high a pedestal. But I love what Nolan does with blockbusters. He makes blockbusters with brains. Um, for whatever his weaknesses are as a filmmaker there are some i they don't knock me too much because i just like seeing just action for action films that make you think but not make you think never they may never make you think just they never make you think too much they make you think just the right amount the films generally look incredible the high concept is generally i mean this the concept of this all we really know about this at the moment and i i am i'll let imdb sum it up uh, an action epic revolving around international espionage time travel and evolution possibly i love the fact that imdb have put possibly about a man trying to prevent world war three through time travel and rebirth possibly about that um so thanks imdb that's that's a great synopsis but yeah 
Nolan's very, very secretive. From the trailer, this looks more akin to Inception. I think probably the closest film I can reference. It looks like it, could, it possibly even looks like it could be taken in taking place in the same universe as Inception from the trailer, but that remains to be seen. That might be would be it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Nolan to do this. But yeah, a new Christopher Nolan film um at the cinema is always an incredible cinematic experience. Whether you like or loathe the filmmaker, um he makes great looking films. For me, I'm a huge Nolan fan. I'm always like, excited to see what he does. Um I think the cast's great. Um I think this could be John David Washington's um, sort of star-making turn. He was great in um, he was great in Black Klansman. Uh, Robert Pattinson is an actor for me that's going strength from strength, and yeah, Nolan just makes very clever, well thought out blockbusters that look incredible. So I think this will be certainly one that not to miss in the cinema for sure. Uh, yes, uh, I am looking forward to for, for, for the spectacle of it. Like you said, he definitely makes films that make you think that are intelligent, and you have to stay awake and alert through the whole thing, particularly with inception you know it demands your attention which i think is another reason why he's so keen his films are seen on on the big screen you know he doesn't want you distracted by anything because you will need to think about this story um he definitely makes films that make you think uh for me at times he makes films that don't necessarily make me feel um mm. I, I think there's a coldness to 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 some of his characters um which sometimes take me out of the film a little too much because you know after they can be quite long as well and when you're spent that time is spent thinking the whole time and following the the logic of the world he's created and the narrative and the plot that it doesn't leave much room to 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 feel for the human aspect of what's going on between his characters um i have to admit though that is how i felt the first time i saw interstellar but the second time more much more recently i watched it i did get the human element far more and changed my mind upgraded my opinion of interstellar hugely um that hasn't happened with inception and to me this film looks more like inception so um which is a very clever very well-made film but for me it's it's just a clever film and I didn't feel too much about it. It's just very clever and well-made. And Tenet, to me, looks like something I will, that will be very clever and it will look good, but I'll kind of not think about it too much after I've watched it. That's what yeah, I mean. That might be totally unfair. but No, I mean, I, I, it's, not, it's not a criticism I share of him. I don't, I, well, I, I, get the, I get the criticism. I can see why people say it. For me, it hasn't harmed his films. Dunkirk outside of the cinema was an interesting film for me because I thought Dunkirk lost a lot outside of the cinema. I, I, I'm not... Struggle through it is the wrong word because again he, he's such a technically proficient filmmaker that at times you think okay there's you know there's more to it than that like he is, is there's no doubt there's no doubting the man's talent but at times I just think he needs possibly needs to work with writers that have a bit more heart to them um, I think yeah, I mean I think yeah. Dunkirk's a great example because I, again that's another one I've watched second time around and changed my opinion of you know first time around I watched it I found it very cold you know I didn't care about any of the characters mm. in there there was no one person to really follow you know I think. My, I went in thinking, and maybe a few other people did. It was gonna. We were looking at more of a Saving Private Ryan type kind of film, where we had some characters we were gonna follow and root for in the whole of this mess, and and that didn't happen. It was a very disjointed, kind of disconnected, um, uninvolved, kind of cold look at what it would have been like for these men to have been on on that beach when this was all happening. And then when I watched it a second time, with that in mind, when I went in it a second time, going, okay, I'm not watching it for the story i'm watching it for a this is what it would have been like at dunkirk with a much more of a kind of a, a, a for, for lack of a better phrasing like a documentary kind of mindset to it 
I found it hugely satisfying and I thought it was mm. great and I really enjoyed it. I didn't ne feel the need. I didn't miss that I wasn't caring about anybody because that's not what I was watching it for. But um, that's the kind of thing I mean with certain Christopher Nolan films where that that kind of the heart is lacking somewhat. So it'll be interesting to see if that is the same with, with Tenet, which at the moment for me is looking a little bit more like Inception than it is Interstellar. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, the criticism is... Is, is is certainly fair, uh, but it doesn't stop me being excited about it, which is good. Um, <laughs> You're allowed. Mark, what's your number two? <laughs> oh, how many have I got left? I think I've only got one left now, which is one my number one. Started, didn't you? So this is your number yeah, one, my number yeah. one. It's which we're probably going to share. It's June. Oh, it's June. Um, Denny Villeneuve, uh, all Nolan strengths and none of his weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was everything. It was the perfect follow up. To, to, in every way to Blade Runner arguably better than, than Blade Runner it, it's it's wonderful and his qualities are not shining through just in films like Blade Runner it's not like oh that guy did a good sci-fi give him another one it's not as simple as that you know when you look at all of his his work like Incendies and, and even Prisoners which Prisoners went, was his first I think English speaking movie which could yeah. have just been a random kind of one of those mediocre thrillers that they kind of pop out without expecting too much from it um, and it's and he elevated it way above that. It's actually a very, very, very well made, great film. Um, and and he's only had hits since. You know, he can tell a great story. He can make you feel. He can make you think. Like you said, it's like all of Nolan's strengths and none of his weaknesses. But I think what what excites me most about Dune is that the Blade Runner universe wasn't massively expansive. There was that one film from from the eighties to kind of base the the mythology of what the sequel was going to be and he did so much with it and more um than i think anybody expected and it, and gave it such a grounding and such texture like he just built this this world and it was so rich which i think was why um in, a lot of people argue it is better than the original because it's it's just it's just great and june the world is massive you know the, the, there's so much material there there is so much he can do with it um i believe this is going to be made into two films rather than just the the, the first one that's coming out yeah. which i think unlike the original goes to show how much effort is being put into recreate this world and i think we could be looking at something really exciting you know not since maybe we had peter jackson doing all the the tolkien films with you know with an extended universe over a couple of films are we going to see something maybe as i think we're going to see something as exciting as that across I two hope films. So. just i hope it does yeah doing also my number one as mark mark's correct um yeah i just i just hope this whole thing about spending over two films i hope this does well because i've got a horrible feeling if it doesn't do well then we may never see the second part um that's that's my concern i don't know whether they shot them whether they've shot them back to back or not in all honesty um, but I don't know whether Warner's potentially wouldn't let him do that because Blade Runner 2049 underperformed at the box office. But um, certainly, I hope this does well. I think this will. I think this will be an incredible film. I'd be very surprised if it isn't. I mean, the cast he's assembled for this as well. I mean, just looking down the IMDb list at the moment, you've got Rebecca Ferguson, Timothy Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet Zendaya, Dave Bautista, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Stellan Skarsgård. Javier Bardem, David Desmalkiem, Charlotte Rampling, like it just that cast is like I don't think there's any danger of this film not succeeding in every level. I mean cr critically we have no reason to think he will make a suddenly a, a bad film because he never no. has. Um box office wise, um Blade Runner 2049 was a sequel to a sci-fi film that wasn't a popcorn 
action sci-fi kind yeah. of film. It's a thinking man sci-fi, and you know those those aren't always popular. You know, with people, it, it it can be. When I remember first time I saw Blade Runner when I was very young, too young to have watched it, and was expecting something that was all action. You know, like Total Recall or something like that. It wasn't that in the slightest, and I was too young to get how good a film it was because I wanted fights and explosions and stuff. So it's not really surprising to me that when the sequel came out, a lot of people were kind of like, "Meh, if it's anything like the first, I'm I'm all right." Like, kind of. Do thing. you think a lot of? I think I think part of the part of the reason that harmed the, the harmed twenty Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that a lot of people not having seen Blade Runner, I think people a lot of people who haven't seen it do assume it's that, do assume it's one of those kind of sort of sci fi action films. And when people have walked in, they were like. This is this is dull. <laughs> this isn't what I thought. Like, one, I don't think that's going to happen with this because it was so good. But in, like I said, going back to the box office numbers, because we're having the year we're having, and and so many people can't get to the cinema, and that there is a a, a huge lack of new films to be excited about that are coming out that we can even go and watch. I think the idea that when December rolls round. And we have this enormous new fantastical world made by an incredible director that we can all go and watch. I would be shocked if it didn't even pull in, you know, the casual cinema goer. You know, as soon as trailers for this start coming out, I, I can't imagine for, for, I can't imagine it not being a huge, a huge hit, even if people aren't familiar with, with Dune. And I and I think that's what again makes this different about Blade Runner twenty forty nine because it's not a sequel. Blade Runner 2049 was a sequel and for whatever reason that might have put people off because they weren't familiar with or weren't particularly fond of the first one. This is a brand new universe in a post really Avengers world because that huge arc has now come to an end with with Avengers Endgame. So we're the, the world is I think now ready for a new big fantastical cinematic mythology to dive into and at the moment, you know, looking at the schedule this is the first one that's going to get that chance. Uh, and for that reason alone, I think it will do really well box office wise. That's my humble opinion. Um, but I also already think critically, we have no reason not to think it's going to be great. No, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm so, so excited for this film. I'm rereading the book at the moment. It's a great book. Um, if you haven't read it, def definitely give it a read. Or maybe wait till the films come out, to be honest, because you might not want spoilers. Um, but yeah, the book, the book's fantastic. Definitely a heavy inspiration for Star Wars. Lynch, is ver Lynch has had a go at this um, before um, to mix, mix success. I don't hate Dune, Lynch's Dune in the way a lot of people do, but it's it's certainly... There's another one, release, release the Lynch cut of Dune. We were talking about this earlier. There's another film that was heavily interfered with by studios and Lynch wasn't happy with. So yeah, yeah. maybe don't release the Lynch cut. Just release any film of Dune on Dune on time in december so this is december 19th this is due again to the best of our knowledge not been pushed back as of yet i hope it isn't because that will break my heart if we don't get to see dune this year because yeah by quite some margin it is my most anticipated film of 2020 for sure yeah i think if there ever was to be a, a new lynch cut release they should not do it until after this one's come out <laughs> absolutely no, not no, no, no absolutely not no. i don't think there will be i think the lynch is kind of Kind of walked away from it for good, I think, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Dune, our most anticipated film for 2020. Um, I thought that might be the case, but I didn't want to preempt it. So yeah, uh, Mark, it's been great having you on. Um, thank you very much. Um, you can find out 
you can follow Mark on the social media at, at Mr. Mark Brennan, um, and he's the director of Exit Six Film Festival, which we've talked about before. Um, so next time I see you, will be um, I'll be you'll be my boss and not the other way around. So thanks for coming on. I look forward I look forward to you telling me what to do again. So <laughs> thank you for having me. And you can tell Pete I've left a hot and, and sweaty seat for him to return to as soon as he's no feeling better. I'm sure he'll be very grateful. But all that remains for me to say is yeah, if you've enjoyed the show, please like it and share it. Um, you can follow us on at Strangers Cinema on Twitter and Strangers in a Cinema on uh, Facebook or Instagram. So yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Shut up and sit down.